Success is elusive, but it doesn't have to be. This is Limitless Belief, a weekly podcast where we discover the principles of success by those who use them well. Be encouraged, be inspired, be limitless. Okay. So welcome everyone to the Limitless Belief Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Tobert, and I'm very excited to be with you all today. Um, Whether you're at home, in your car, or taking public transportation, we appreciate you spending uh, some time with us today. Uh, This podcast is all about creating a community, community where people can come share, learn, and grow from the examples and stories of individuals just like the one I have on the call today who have overcome limiting beliefs. Uh, That's why I'm so excited about our guest today, Bravon Joseph, because I believe he represents what we would love to see more of in the world, which is essentially or basically just people getting started, going for their dreams in spite of everything not being perfect. And our guest, Bavon Joseph, is the co-founder of the Greenwood Project, which is an organization that connects diverse student talent with career opportunities in financial services, fintech, and other industries. He's also currently an advisory board member for the for DePaul's University Career Center. And Bavon, I just got to say, man, that I really think that you're a great example of what we mean by limitless. And the things that you've been able to accomplish are amazing. What you're doing with these young people, helping them to discover their limitlessness uh, through the example that you're setting and the opportunity your organization is providing them is very special. And uh, Bavon, I just want to say, man, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Fred, man. Um, you know, you and I go way back to DePaul days, right? Yeah. So um, we're sitting in the classroom and just chopping it up. But it's great to see us both kind of transform and evolve into something brand new and probably something That's we never right. thought we would be. Yeah. But uh, happy to be here, man. Excited. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, I was, you know, I was going to get to that DePaul thing. We were taking like a uh, project management class. It was probably the worst class I ever had in my life. But <laughs> it got the conversation kind of going about, um, I think we were talking about nonprofits or something. Yeah. And that's when we started to make our connection. So yeah, yep, DePaul. Yep, we go way back. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, so man. I just, just want to, um, I just want to, you know, just kind of start at the beginning. You know, where did things begin for Bavon Joseph? And, you know, just take me back to the beginning where your life journey began. Yeah, so um, originally, originally from a little tiny place in the Caribbean called Trinidad and Tobago. Okay. And I grew up there until I was probably like 18. Uh, after high school, you know, moved to Jersey. My mom had a bunch of family members there. After Jersey, went to uh, the Bronx and okay. lived in New York for about 20 years. But um, first job I ever had was on the uh, trading floor of a Chase Bank in New York. And, you know, just fell in love with the markets, investing, being around traders, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And, yeah, that led to a 20-year career in financial services. Um, wow. Yeah, moved to Chicago nine years ago. My okay. wife was in Chicago, so ended up here. But, um, yeah, man, my entire career has been surrounded by financial services, you know, okay. the stock market, investing that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, you know, as, you know, as you know, and we'll probably get into later on my college life actually didn't start until I was 35. Yeah. Right. uh, (laughs) You know, I had a 20 plus year career in finance with no degree, but, um, made it all the way from like hardware break fix guy all the way up to like a CTO of a hedge fund, but it's been a wild journey, man, but, um, a learning journey, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that, that, that's, that's amazing. And that's really kind of feeding into what I, what I think about limitlessness, um, like in spite of not having what society says, you know, are like benchmarks or, or, mm-hmm. or, 
certain types of um, accomplishments before you can get certain levels in life, especially professionally, you still were able to, you were still able to do that. But just want to go back, man, you know, if we can go back to your time at Trinidad, Tobago, you know, maybe like your parents, who were some of the uh, early, early influences that began to kind of shape your character and your, and your beliefs? Yeah, definitely. So I'm the youngest of three kids and uh, my dad, you know, he was my coach. He was my friend. He was my okay. employer. He, you know, so entrepreneurship, I think, comes from, you know, um, your childhood. It depends on like, I always say, you know, kids can't be what they can't see and you're a product of your environment. So mm-hmm. I saw my dad never work for anybody in his life. He worked for himself 100% mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, he employed people from the community, you know, oh, wow. he was always like coaching a, a cricket team or a soccer team or something. He was yeah. in politics. He just was like a one man show doing everything and didn't wow. answer to anybody but himself. So uh, yeah. I think that's where my entrepreneurial spirit comes from is like being around him. You yeah. know, um, he was in construction. He had his own like construction company and wow. I worked with him every summer. I worked with him after high school and quickly yeah. realized, I quickly realized that's not for me. <laughs> I guess that, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's 90 degrees in Trinidad every day. And I'm out there like, you know, shoveling gravel and mixing concrete and and i told him i'm glad that i got to figure out how to work with my hands and stuff yeah i knew early on like that career path was not for me you know i i just i just i didn't know what it was but i just felt like i had something else in in store for me you know for sure yeah as and as a young man you know growing up what what were some of those dreams i you know i I know you just say you didn't know exactly what it was but you know what were some of the things that you would lay lay down at night and think about you know make when you got older that you would t- want to become like what yeah. what did young Bavon want to become when he became an adult? So I was, uh, I had a lot of cousins in the United States. So I always knew my future was over here somewhere. Okay. You know, I had cousins that were same age as me and they grew up in the, in New Jersey. Yeah. I visit them often, but, um, I took a trip right after graduation from high school with my mom to Jersey and it was supposed to be a vacation. And, uh, that was in 1996, I think. Okay. I ended, up, ended up staying here and, Wow. 2020, I'm still here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to Jersey and, and my cousin who had been to like, he was a computer technician guy. He's like, man, you should go check the school out, man. You should, you like it. I know you like computers and stuff. I said, all right, let's you know, go take a look. Um, like fell in love with the place. I convinced my mom to let me stay, you know, and, um, and that's it, man. Like that's where it took off. Um, I was always around technology and love technology, love computers. So um, my passion for computers and stuff like that uh, really grew, you know, a a lot uh, when I stayed in Jersey and got like a degree in like computer electronic technology, something kind of something to get my foot in the door. But um, yeah, I know something technology computer related was always in my future. Okay. And this was something that you knew even when you were in in, uh, Trinidad, you know, it was something about technology even over there. Yeah. Kind of thinking like that's what I wanted to do wanted yeah, to get into it's funny you know i kind of fell into it because my dad you know i was working with him one summer he was building a school like a uh internet like a secretarial college they call it uh-huh. so it was a school for girls to learn how to be secretaries and oh wow <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm there with him one summer just working and and i see them bringing in all these computers and all this stuff so um the lady who like owned the school was like hey yes i was like I don't know, 14 at the time or something yeah. Like, hey, your son, um, you should probably have him spend the summer here to learn how to use a computer. And so I was the only, I was 14 years old in mm-hmm. a school full of girls. It was a girls only school. And, awesome. and I was there, I mean, just learning. And that was my first introduction to a computer. 
and wow. um, just fell in love with it, man. So eventually, That's awesome. I, yeah, I want to do this. I want to learn more about this stuff. And in Trinidad, there's only one university, the University of the West Indies. Okay. Really expensive, you know. Really. Get, yeah, I just couldn't afford to go there. And my cousins in the in Jersey kept telling me, "Hey, you could come here, get a scholarship, go to school for free, whatever student loans." So I just knew like my future was not in Trinidad; it was in the United States. Yeah. Education was gonna be my way, you know. Right. Wow. That's that's amazing, man. Uh, just you know, so so many of these stories I've been watching, seeing over over the years. Um, is when if you can catch on to something early you know, yeah. and get a passion and, and then someone places you in a situation where it can be cultivated. These are like the Steve Jobs of the world, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, these, these are the people that like change, change things, you know, because they got so many hours invested by the time mm -hmm. they become just 21, you know, uh, that they just kind of, you know, take, take things to a whole, totally different direction. Yeah. Um, that's amazing, man. I would love to, you know, just learn more about your experience in uh, Trinidad. Were there, um, what were some of your hurdles, you know, that you personally faced on your journey um, leading up to the point where you were coming to America? How, how, how did you, um, how did you overcome them? Whatever well, those think, hurdles were. Um, yeah. So I, you know, again, I had so much family living in the United States. They would come back home every now and then. And, yeah. you know, for like them coming back to Trinidad, I was like a celebrity, like, you know, like you just, <laughs> America just seemed like this place of like, you know, milk and honey and like, you gotta be, yeah. happy. you gotta be there, you know? So, um, for me, I was always trying to figure out a way to like let my parents let me move to Jersey, you know. So okay. it was like, you know, I was in high school. I was really focused on sports in high school, played like cricket at the national level for my the youth team and stuff. I was Oh uh, man, wow. Yeah, I was playing cricket like six days a week every day, man. And I was yeah. curious about it. Um yeah, played for my school, played for the country, you know. And wow. Again, but it's you know, it's a tiny island. And if you want to take that to like the professional level, it's really hard, very competitive to do so. So I, um, I was like, you know, that's, that's not my future either. You know, I like it, you know, I love playing the sport, but I just knew that wasn't going to be like a livelihood for me, you know? Okay. So, um, pretty early on in high school, I figured out that, you know, again, I just had my eyes set on the United States and in Trinidad, yeah. it's an oil and natural gas based economy. So the company, the country is doing really well. It's only 1.2 million people, but you know, mm. the, oil they got natural gas um but the thing is and which is really ironic that i start a non-profit to do the same thing but you had to be connected to the right people to get sure. a job pretty much sure. you know, so you're approaching graduation and a lot of kids are like well my dad works over here my mom works here i'm, I'm set i'm good and i'm like well my dad has his own construction business but i know i don't want to do that so, <laughs> so uh, my mom was a supervisor in a, a ceramic tile factory and i know i didn't want to do that either so right. um, for me i was always trying to figure out a way to like get out of Trinidad. i think you know yeah. i just yeah. knew that my future was somewhere else and i had teachers in school telling me like hey Bavon, and if you're not connected to the right people here it's going to be really hard for you to make a life here gotcha Gotcha. You know, so some of my early challenges was just trying to figure out like, okay, how do I get to Jersey? And then once I get there, what do I do? What do you I know? do? But, um, luckily I had cousins and family members, you know, who kind of like took care of me once I was there and um, kind of really helped me start my journey. Yeah. Wow, man, that's, that's amazing. Uh, just, you know, how, how important family is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's like, sometimes that's the only connections we have, you know, <laughs> up to a certain, to a certain extent. And, you know, if one of those people just happened to be successful, then that, that's even better, you know, but right. um, 
Yeah, that's that's really that's really. I didn't know you uh, played cricket for for the national U team uh, for yeah. your country. You know, I would imagine that experience probably uh, kind of helped shape you in some kind of in some way. Like, what what was that experience like for you, and how did it? You know, what what about that experience kind of transferred over to your to your adult years? I think the competitiveness, man. Like, you know, <laughs> athletes are like they don't like to lose, and they're yeah. always trying to get better. They're always trying to find the edge. And yeah. in, cricket, in cricket in the Caribbean, it was like all the islands would play against each other. So, okay. You know, I was meeting people from all over the islands, and sometimes the English team would come in or Indian team, uh, sure. Australians, you know, like, so I was always interacting with people from other countries. Yeah. You know? And I was like, wow, man, I would love to go see these places one day and just to play cricket or just to experience life outside of uh, that little tiny island, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, the competitive nature of the game and just me in general, like really drives me, motivates me. So um, that's okay. translated into a lot of things that I've, I've done in the future. Yeah. Competition. Yeah. 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 I mean, I hear that, man. You know, I talk, I spoke with a gentleman um, earlier today, actually, and uh, competition was a big part of his, mm -hmm. uh, his drive as well. Just like the, you know, not necessarily in a negative way, like I want to be better than you, but it's just saying like, if I look to my left and I look to my right, you know, what can I do in order to become yeah. better at what I'm doing, you know, maybe in comparison to somebody else, but not trying to say, hey, you know, I'm trying to take anything off your plate, but yeah, yeah. competition, you know, it's one of those things. One of the strength finder, uh, one of the top, you know, some people having their top five on the Gallup strength finder is competition. Yeah, I was like, I was like, how is that a strength? I never knew until I started talking to you know people like yourself and the gentleman I spoke with earlier. Like that's how you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, you as an athlete, drive you. as an athlete, kind of in life, you know, um, when do we learn the most? Right, is when we lose. You know, that's when we actually mm -hmm. learn. Right, so you could go mm -hmm. on a ten-game winning streak. That's okay. You're cool. You're getting comfortable winning, but you're not learning anything. You know, right. so when we took losses, and um, that could be in business and sports, yeah. whatever in life. Yeah. I mean, that's when you really start look, reflect, and look back and say, "Wow, this, all right, this is what I need to do to make sure this doesn't happen again." You know? For sure, absolutely. Yeah, man. The, you know, I um I played three sports when I was in school and in, in high school. I didn't play in I didn't play in college, but you know, it definitely um, taught me a lot about teamwork and you know yeah. overcoming adversity and a lot of things that you know I wasn't learning. Let's say just coming up in my household because I didn't I didn't have a father. Right. Which is not an excuse, but you know, there's some things that your dad's gonna that you that you're gonna take away from your dad just by him being around. Yeah. Um, but you know, your your coaches and you know, you play, playing sports, you know, helped me to regain some of those things, you know. Uh teamwork, you know, <laughs> learning how to play a role, you know, things like that. And um, yeah, yeah. sports, you know, it's it's definitely one of those things that kept me out of trouble, I could say probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as I was younger too, you know? Um, so yeah, I could definitely agree with you, man. Sports is one of those things that is kind of like a saving grace for a lot of, a lot of kids, especially yeah. depending on, you know, that come from our, from our communities. Yeah. Um, man, I would love to transition to, you know, to when we get to America, you say you were about 18, right? Yeah. I was about 18 years old. Uh, got to Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jersey. So I've been to Jersey before. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a lot going on in Jersey. So, like, what, what was what was that experience like for you in 1998? You said, <laughs> yeah, man, I, was, I was trying to get out of there as soon as I could. <laughs> my mom had five sisters there, and they all had girls. Again, I was the only boy there. So, <laughs> you know, um, I spent about a year and a half in Jersey, just going to the the school and stuff like that. And yeah, as soon as I was like, I graduated like in April on April 14th, like April 16th, okay. I was gone. I was straight to the Bronx. My dad. Yeah. 
had a bunch of family over there. Okay. So, Jersey, I mean, you know, Jersey's like, I don't know, it's like Indiana, man. It's like, <laughs> right. it's not, it's not, knock, I'm just saying, like, it's like a big swamp, you know. And, I know what you're saying. There's nothing going on there. So I know I had traveled to New York once while I was yeah. there. Okay. Family, and I was like, man, look at these buildings, look at the subway. And it's like, this is where stuff is happening. I need this to. This is where it's at. Right. Yeah, I was like, this is <laughs> it's gonna happen right here, man. And yeah, and that's where I went to the Bronx and lived in all five boroughs eventually. Uh, really? The last, yeah, last place I was in uh was in Brooklyn on Flatbush, and wow, and I came to Chicago. But yeah, I lived in New York for twenty years, man, and I love, love, love New York, man. So you know, like a lot of people say. So I love New York, right? And that would be some a place that I would like. I would love to live, maybe for at least like a year. Just I just like to be there. Uh, a lot of people don't. They say it's dirty. They say it's crazy. You know, people are rude. I don't care. You know, it's like they, they're rude. They're rude in Chicago too. Um, but a lot of people say, "Hey, man, you know, you can't live in New York unless you make a million dollars a year." Mm. So you know, how were you able to, you know, you know, someone that was in Trinidad and Tobago for 18 years of your life, moved to Jersey and then got moved to New York. How were you able to, to stay in New York for 20 yeah. years? Like, <laughs> did, you, did you hit the lottery? I, didn't, no, I, didn't. I wish. Uh, yeah. So coming back to family. So my okay. dad had like a bunch of families, had a bunch of cousins in the Bronx and uh, got there, shared a, a studio apartment with a cousin of mine. Okay. And, first job I had, I was working as a temp, you know, for a company and um, they gave me like a one week project to like okay. uh, install computers or something. And yeah. they paid me like $7 an hour. I thought, I thought I hit the jackpot, man. I was like, what? <laughs> first paycheck, I'm like, you know, 19, 20 years old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I was there for like, on the, I, it was a chase on the trading floor and there for two days and I'm in, in my cubicle and I hear this voice in the back on, on the other side of the room. I was like, wait, that sounds like a Trinidadian, man. Like, because I can uh, hear the oh. accent, right? Yeah. And then I went over there. I was like, hey, man, uh, where are you from? He's like, oh, I, yeah, I'm from Trinidad. Then we connected and stuff. Yeah. To this day, that's one. That's my friend, man. That's my my best guy. My oh wow! Friend, like twenty plus years. And that's awesome. That that was my third day on the job, and he was a supervisor. Oh and, wow! And he had, you know, like twenty people reporting to him, all the temps and all that stuff. If he needed help. He's yeah. like, don't worry, man, I got you. And he just like put me under his wing, taught wow. me everything that he knew. Okay. And kind of like kicked off my career, man, because he just really looked wow. out for me and had a had a job, you know? Yeah. And, um, so Trinidadians, they're like Caribbean people stick together. Look stick together, yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, especially <laughs> in a big city where it's not many of us, you know? Yeah, so, for sure. You know, always gravitate towards each other. Even here in Chicago, I meet. I've met some Trinidadians, some people from Jamaica, whatever. We play cricket together here as well, too. Oh, that's that's so cool. Yeah, so um, our people, like, really, our culture is strong. You know, yeah. stick together. And he looked out for me, man. And, that and is so cool. I went from that job to the next job to a different company. Anywhere he went, he took me with him, pretty much. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Been, and I went back to school, actually, to get certifications, Microsoft and all that stuff, Cisco. And yeah. that really helped elevate my career into other, like, management and CTO eventually. So okay, yeah, I, um, I was always um, technology, as you know, moves so quickly. So you quick. Know, I just, I always was like, what's the new thing, man? What's new coming? Up? I need to be on top of this, man. And yeah, that was just my passion for technology, you know. So like the, um, so I heard you say that you did, you did get an associate's degree, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, before you, before you entered the workforce, or were you 
working yeah. and still going to school? So in Jersey, when I went to Jersey, I like my cousin enrolled me in this uh this program for like a year and I got a okay. degree. Um, okay. Because he told me he's like, man, you need some kind of piece of paper to like, you know, at least for these people to give you a chance. So for sure. That, and um that kind of helped me get my foot in the door. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And um at that at the time that when you when you got the associate's degree and you started working, what did you ever have the thought that you were you were gonna go back to school or was it just like, hey, I'm just gonna figure it out from here, work my way up? Like what what was that experience like for you? I always wanted to go to college actually. So even Okay. Yeah, even in Trinidad, I um um so University of Miami had come to Trinidad to like recruit, like to talk about the school and yeah. my high school. And I was like, Man, I this sounds like great. I could go over there and you know, play soccer for them or whatever. Um yeah. I was obsessed with going to the University of Miami. And um, okay. <laughs> when, I to, when I came to Jersey, started working and stuff like that, I always had the thought of going back to college uh, eventually. Um, and I did apply, actually, got into like New York Technical College. But, okay. you know, my, um, I'm an immigrant at that time. And um, they wanted me to like, the school wanted me to go back to Trinidad, apply for a special student visa and then come back. Okay. But there was no guarantee I was going to get the visa when I go back. Oh, you know, so, okay. Gotcha. So I was supposed to start like on Monday at the college and they told me this like on a Thursday. I'm like, well, there's no guarantee I could come back, you know, so I don't know. So I'm like, forget it. And that's when I decided, you know, I'm just going to go the route of getting certifications. Okay. So, gotcha. So, and stuff like that. And that yeah. turned out to be the better choice for me at the time because it really increased my earning potential. Oh, know, okay. Marketable because those certifications were like in high demand. So I was a Microsoft certified engineer and all that stuff and working yeah. at Morgan Stanley and, and doing well. So, um, yeah. yeah, for me, you know, going back to college later on in life worked out better than for me, but okay. I mean, that's not everybody's story, but for me, that, that was mine, you know, it just works out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, cause you know, you had the mentor and everything, everything was kind of like in a lot, it was aligning for you. Uh, what, were there any, what was difficult about, about your journey maybe in, in reference to maybe not having a degree or uh you know what i can't really say you know what like what was difficult about your journey let's just say professionally um where maybe there was some 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 limits that maybe people were placing on you or did you have anything internally that you were dealing with that yeah. you had to over, overcome in order to you know continue rising up the way that you did all the way up to cto you know without without a college degree you know a lot of i met a lot of ctos over the last eight months and their credentials are long and strong, right? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, exactly. so like, what, what were some of the things that you had to overcome in order to continue to rise up the way that you did? Well, you know, as an immigrant, uh, there's a lot of limits placed on us. So um, yeah, the status didn't allow me to apply for certain jobs, even though I was, I could do them. You know, yeah. so I had job offers like for like making a lot of money. And, but I was like, I, I know I can't apply because of my, my immigrant status or whatever in the country. So I had to like uh, turn away a lot of like high paying um, uh, jobs over the years because I didn't have a degree, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, to become a CTO or like just to be in the C-suite requires a degree, you know, 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, for me, I think my career would have progressed even faster if I had a degree, mm -hmm. you know, so if that limit wasn't placed on me initially, <laughs> I, it would have, I mean, I'm happy with the path that I ended up on, but I feel yeah. like, uh, like Morgan Stanley wanted to put like uh, promote me to a senior role, I couldn't I couldn't proceed with that because of my status, you know. Um, so definitely when it comes to limits, there was a lot of limits and still is today placed on immigrants. You know, it's really 
Yeah. It's hard, man. It's like hard being a, a, a outsider, you know, living here, yeah. do, doing all these things. And there's yeah. a, there's a door that's always closed to you. Right. Right. Have a degree <clears throat> or that kind of thing. So, yeah, but I think um, it took me a while, but you know, eventually, like I said, I made it all the way up to like a CTO or a hedge fund wow. without a degree. But that I think those I was able to get around those limits because of my uh, my network, right? Okay, social capital, the people that I met along the way. You yeah. know, I never left left the company on bad terms. Yeah, you know, friends at firms that I worked at, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago that are still there that we still work together through Greenwood. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I definitely try to like maintain a, a network that supports me and I support them. And okay. that's what really kind of helped um, open the doors for me. You know? Yeah, that 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 really resonates with me. There's a uh, there's a gentleman in my network. Uh, his name is Billy Dexter, actually. And uh, he wrote a book called Making Your Network. And in the book, he talks about how networking, how learning how to network in the, in the, the right way, you know, networking to give, not to get, and things of that nature yeah, yeah. really helped him to uh, excel where, you know, some other people with probably more credentials and maybe even maybe more connected people who just don't know how to <laughs> network, you know, uh, weren't able to accomplish some of the things that he's been able to accomplish. And he, and he really, you know, attributed a lot of it to networking. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's great that you say that, you know, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we're not, like you said, when we talked, when we first started talking, you know, where we start, you know, yeah. a lot of times we don't have a big network, you know, we have our family and that's the biggest network that we have. And then right. maybe we, we start making friends at school, you know, then we got our football, we got our sports friends, then we got, yeah. you know, college friends and our network is expanding, and expanding, but you know, everybody <laughs> probably, everybody probably broke, you know, like you're not, <laughs> nobody's really networked, like connected, connected. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, how, how were you able to, what, what, what was it about you and maybe, I don't know, your mindset, what was it about you that you were able to start building these connections, these long lasting yeah. friendships where people would want to look out for you? What, what could you, what could you tell our listeners about that process that mm -hmm. maybe they can, they can take it and start applying it to their lives? Like what were some yeah, of the things think, you were able to do? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've, Trinidadians in, in general are very easygoing, laid back people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you go to Trinidad, all they do is party and have a good time and, and whatever. But, um, you know, I think um, with me, I've always been, it's easy for me to connect with people. And, you know, um, I en ended up in management positions, managing teams and stuff like that. And people yeah. were transferring from Chicago to New York to be on my team and stuff. Wow. I feel like I was always, um, had easy access to upper management and I was pretty straightforward with them, you know, and I told okay. them like, I told them like it is, I told them like, Hey, I'm not beating around the bush here. You know, I'm not really into politics that much and <laughs> pretty straightforward. So I think right. um, for me, I always try to lead by example, you yeah. know, um, you know, I, I was, we've all been watching uh, the last dance for the last couple of weeks. And when, when, MJ, when MJ talked about, um, I never asked my teammates to do something I wouldn't do myself. Right. You know? And, like that mentality is me, you know, like I'm, I'm there in the trenches with you, like we're doing the work, you know, I've been to places with like Greenwood team members and people didn't even, people thought I was like working for the organization. They didn't think okay. I was, you know, the founder <laughs> of it. So, <laughs> yeah, for me, I um, try to like show a lot of empathy for people as well too. I think yeah. when you've been through like a long, long journey and not an easy one, uh, like my story coming to this country and making it, you really have an appreciation 
for hard work, right? And uh, sure. you see that hard work in other people as well. Yeah. And look out for them. And um, I go to bat for my people who work for me all the time. And I, I don't care if I got to put myself on the line. That's just my mentality. You know, yeah. uh, my dad always taught me to do the right thing, even that, yeah. even, even if that meant, you know, like sacrificing yourself. Yeah. You know, so I think going back to him too, like he really, really had a huge influence on me because um, he always like stressed, like I hey, do the right thing. It mightn't be the coolest thing to do. It mightn't be the sexiest yeah. thing to do. People might not like you anymore, but you know what? Those one, the ones who stick around, those are the true ones, you know? Right. Yeah. That's, that's great advice, man. That's, yeah, that's talking great about, advice. Talking about your network. Like something I tell students all the time is um, your network is going to open doors that a, a degree just can't open. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The social capital is a hell of a thing, man. And if yeah, you it is. the right people and you're doing the work and they notice that, trust me, you're going to be top of mind when opportunity presents itself. That is so true, man. And, you know, that social, that social capital takes a long time to build. And it's just like money. You know, you can, it might take, depending on who, who you are and how much money you make, it might take you, God knows how long, just to save $10,000. Yeah, and then you can literally buy something for ten thousand dollars, and it's like, like, like you know, your money, your money be gone in like thirty seconds, and that's how so that's what social capital is like. You know, you you know, if you don't spend it wisely, you know, you know, you just wasted potentially three years of cultivating, Mm -hmm. uh, of cultivating a relationship with somebody that you and you wasted in you know in a couple hours, you know. So yeah, definitely, um, you know, and it's great that the the young men and women in the Greenwood Project are learning this early because. Yeah. Sometimes when we don't know, we, we're kind of like stumbling through it and we're damaging relationships along the way, relationships that could have been fruitful, you know. Right, right. Um, so to learn something from someone like yourself and, you know, to to start learning how to network and develop relationships early in the game can, can really, really, you know, change someone's life. So, yeah, that's that's an amazing, amazing um, a lesson to be learned. Um, what do you wish you had known when you first started out? Like, st- you know, you know, tw- 20 years, in, 20 years into it you know, not even getting into transitioning into maybe going back to school or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, starting a Greenwood project. What were some, if you could talk to your younger self, you know, mm-hmm. what, 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 what would have been maybe one or two things you wish you had, had known starting out that you, that you probably know now? <laughs> I think, um, you know, when it comes to financial services and the finance industry that I ended up working in, I feel like if I had somebody early on say, hey man, come check out, you know, what traders do every day or portfolio yeah. managers or investment banking, you know, if I had somebody to really guide me on that path, I would have definitely become a trader, man, 100%. Okay. You know, um, yeah. try to accumulate as much money as I could because um, it would have made the Greenwood Project and other nonprofit or charitable endeavors much easier. Right. You know, because um, even though I had a great career and ended up making decent money at the end, I could have done that at 25 instead of like 45 or 30, 35, you know what I'm saying? So I see what you're saying. If I had the Greenwood Project, I think at um, when I was 20 or 21, it would have yeah. completely altered my life. And I think that's what I see now is like we have a chance to catch high school juniors, rising juniors in high school mm-hmm. and tell them like, listen, come meet a financial engineer. Come meet somebody making $200,000 a year out of school. Wow. Yeah. Out of school. You can, I can connect you to Fred, my guy. He does this for a living. And he right. can mentor you and guide you and open doors for you. So if right. I had something like the Greenwood Project, you know, when I was coming out of high school, man, it would have been it would have been a different Bavon right now, you know. Wow, yeah, that that's amazing. So if it seems like the Greenwood Project is a direct result of 
your experience coming up? Like just looking back, maybe maybe you thought about the Greenwood Project in reflection one day. Like, like I don't want anybody else to have to go through this. Like, I don't want anybody else to be in the marketplace being under underpaid or underserved. You know, just right. as a result of what they don't know. Is that that kind of accurate? Yeah, definitely. I was thinking I was thinking about the Greenwood Project for years. You know, working on these firms. Yeah. And just looking around the room and not seeing much people who look like me yeah and, um, mm-hmm. meeting the same interns every summer who were all related to somebody there and these mm-hmm. kids didn't care like they just was taking it for granted internships right. had become a privilege right you know? and, um for me um, when you talk about limit you know being limited and stuff like that um i wanted to be the person who could lift some of those limits from those kids from under right Chicago. so they didn't have to figure it out and stumble you know, stumble along themselves Absolutely. I could, hold, I could hold their hand and say, hey, Fred, let me tell you this, man. This is how you approach this company. This is how you approach this interview. This is what your resume should look like. This is what these people are looking for. This is what yeah. they're thinking about as they interview you and ask you these questions. These are the biases. To exp- like, I'm giving them the scoop. I'm giving them the source. I'm right. like, say, you, if you listen to me, I'm 100% going to get you in that door. And right. if you put the work in, I will help like move your career along. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's 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 amazing, man. It's it's amazing how how pain helps develop purpose. You know, <laughs> you know how how human that is. You know, for all of us, like a lot of the time, the things that we're doing that we're most passionate about yeah. is something is something some experience that we've had at some point, whether it's our own experience or maybe someone that we care about. It's like never want anybody to go through that ever again. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm going to do everything humanly possible to make sure that that doesn't work, happen again, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's amazing just knowing that because I didn't know that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you know, young yeah. people, the young people in the Greenwood Project, again, 100% of them first generation college, 100% wow. from underserved communities, yeah. never worked in a financial firm before, don't know what to expect, pretty smart, can actually figure out the work, but they don't know how to be at work. Right. You know? um, right. Yeah, we're working with black and brown students man that's all we care about um and for them going into predominantly white environments is a different challenge all by itself all by itself yeah for sure as you know i take students to new york for a wall street tour every year as well oh man because i've never been on a plane before never that's amazing oh right in new york i mean all that i do just because i want them to see you know i mean it's not good enough to sit in the classroom and talk about the stock market i want to put you on the floor of the new york stock exchange for the opening bell and mm-hmm. see what that looks like you know like mm-hmm. that makes a such an impact it changes their perspective their lives they come back from new york a completely different student and mm-hmm. they're locked into greenwood for the rest of their life pretty much man yeah yeah that's that's amazing man you know uh, a good friend of mine someone that i really respect he's been able to accomplish a lot one of the things he always says is you know depending on what path you're trying to go down like look at somebody that's in that industry or on that path that maybe they may have been in it five ten twenty years and if you don't see something that you want to become <laughs> down the road, then you probably want to change. You want to change course. And I think yeah. that's a part of what you're doing too. Like, let's take you on the trading floor and see how crazy and raucous it is and yeah. the stuff that you really have to do. And then you, cause you know, outside of that, you're just kind of like fantasizing about it. And in our mind, we can make, we can make anything, anything <laughs> attractive right. until the reality sets. And it's like, you don't want to find out after you spent $80,000 in school and then <laughs> it's the route you took. You're like, this is not what I want to do. Exactly. And, and you, especially <laughs> those lessons, you know, right in high school or in college, then they don't in life, man. Like, right. and, and that touches on a point of Greenwood when the way we treat students, I tell students before, like right now, um, 
we're about to start our, our workshops next week. You know, you volunteer. Yeah. But I tell them like from the get go, man, I understand that what I do is not for every student. So right. I'm giving you like the 100% real deal story. Like this is what you're going to expect. I'm going to be really hard on you. Yeah. I wanna, you're going to hear things that your parents probably will never tell you. You know, you'll hear, um, get feedback, constructive feedback. Um, yeah. You might get your feelings hurt. You know, uh, that's just, I'm going to treat you the way the real world is going to treat you. Right. right. I'm going to treat sure. you the, real, the way the real world is going to treat a student of color coming into an all-white environment. Man. You know, so I'm giving you, yeah. giving you that preparation, that, that story that you could tell, you know, like to other students as well. So you got to give back. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, it's, it's all about, you know, exposing students to a whole new world that they've never been exposed to before. And they might, for sure. they might see something they like. They might not. They might say, hey, this is not for me. And that's fine. Right. That's fine. But at least you've seen it. At least you've uh, experienced it. You know. Yeah, you man, you making you making a an educated decision. You know. Right. And uh, I, I wish I had a Greenwood project. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, <laughs> I, I've I've been in environments that man, it was just like a total shock. How mm-hmm. how negative it was, or how you know you like during the interview process, you think you're asking all the right questions, and uh, you all excited and pumped up to you know to go, and then that first week is like. Mm, this is terrible. This is the wrong, this is the wrong. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's such a deflating thing. And uh, you're right, man. You know, just to be able to understand how to, how to deal with those moments, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, what, exactly. what's the right, what's the right thing to do? Cause if you don't know, you just, you just don't know what you don't know. And right. uh, I can remember, man, just struggling through it. Like, you know, afraid to, to move on mm-hmm. because maybe I, I was limited in my thought process as far as what other opportunities may have been out there yeah. or, whatever the case may have been and staying, staying in something that just wasn't right, you know, and um, how much time I, I, I probably wasted, but I still learned some things, but it still was a little incongruent. Like things weren't right. And it's like, you got to know, you know, how to deal with those things. And uh, yeah, the Greenwood project is something I wish I, I, would, I would probably do it now, honestly. <laughs> we got students, um, you know, a lot of our students have gone on to full-time jobs. Yeah. And, um, working in the business now and we still kind of mentor them i act as a mentor to them and they have stories. That's, that's awesome they've been in workforce like two years now but they're encountering stuff like how do i ask for promotion how do i you know right. i feel the team doesn't like me like how do i deal with that right you know, right the boss that came in and he you know so just it never it never stops man you know it never, it never stops, stops. It, yeah it's kind, of, it's kind of sad that we have to deal with that stuff but it's the reality yeah you know? yeah it just helps to have insiders like myself and people in Greenwood and volunteers like you to yep. tell, come and tell students like, Hey, this is how you deal with this, man. Yeah, man. Cause it's, it's experience, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's what mentorship, that's why it's so important, you know? Um, but man, I, I, I want to, I definitely want to get back to the Greenwood, but you, you were in New York for, for 20 years. Right. Yeah. And the, it, the cap, it capped off with you be, being a CTO before you left. Uh, no, I was, um, yeah, I was a CTO there and then I moved to another firm in Chicago and assumed the Okay. Seat. And you were a CTO there. Okay. Yeah. So I was, the, I, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like, what is it like to be on the trading floor? I do want to know that. Is it like, is it crazy? Like, uh, is it like the movies? <laughs> it is. So, um, you know, I, I started working in New York when the trading floors were packed, like okay. shoulder to shoulder. And they're like a thousand people on the NYMEX trading floor trading gas, oil, silver, gold, whatever. Wow. My, one of my jobs was actually supporting the traders on the trading floor. Okay. And back then they had um like handheld computers like trading on it and stuff. Okay. And, um they 
they have batteries in these things that needed to be changed like every hour. Okay. And my job was to run from the office like 10 blocks. You know, every time they called upstairs, hey, come on, we need two batteries. Run downstairs, oh, get to that crowd of like a thousand people, you know, and, and but I loved it. Man. I love the adrenaline. I love like, yeah. you know, the high pressure stuff. It's, it's not for everybody, man. It's really high pressure. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I liked it. I was on the floor of the American Stock Exchange, the New York Stock wow. Exchange the NYMEX and then the CBOE in Chicago. You okay. know, so I saw all the floors when they were like packed, you know, wow. and, um, it was just like an amazing experience. When I go back to New York, I have friends that work at the NYSE and, you know, we, I visit them all the time. Wow. And, um, I just love the energy, man. And, I, and so many people that I know still work there. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, uh, it's just like a, I, every day that I stepped on the floor, I just couldn't believe I was on the floor. Really? You know, it yeah, was, man. It was just like always a dream to just work on the floor and be around that that energy, and it was uh, yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. They, I mean, I it's been it's something that's been romanticized in my mind too, you know, just like the whole the whole culture and lifestyle of it. You know, I know there's some bad parts in it, but like the man, you just killed the day. Then everybody's <laughs> going out. You take your tie off. You got your suit on. And got the happy hour somewhere at the W in Midtown, maybe. Like I think about, I used to think about all this stuff, and you know, I think it's really cool, man. That that you had that you had that, that experience. Or if you seen you know, the Wolf of Wall Street, you know that movie. That's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. Oh, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Before. We, 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 yeah, we was, uh, you know, happy hour was in the office every day, man. It was like, really. Oh man, that's 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 too crazy. Yeah, we had some good times, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Memories that you can, uh, you know, you might want, you, you don't want to tell it on the podcast. We'll talk about it after, you know. <laughs> so what, what, um, so yeah, I want to fast forward a little bit, you know, so, you know, you met your mentor, he, you know, was helping you, mentoring you, kind of showing you the ropes, kind of being like a, a, a Greenwood project, but he was just a person, you know, yeah. and he was like, he was like your personal Greenwood project, so to speak, and helping you, you know, rise through the ranks. And then you landed into the CTO position. Uh, what company did you, were you a CTO? And, and what does a CTO do? Like, what were you kind of like day-to-day? Yeah, in, New York, in New York, I was with a Chicago trading company. So that's a proprietary trading firm. They trade options primarily on um, options on equities and uh, futures and, uh, yeah. and uh, commodities and stuff. So I ran the, uh, I was managing all the technology for the firm in New York. It was um, a London, Chicago, and New York office that they had. Yeah, headquartered yeah. here in Chicago. Um, my wife actually—that's how we met at work. She worked there for like 15 years in compliance. Nice. So um, that's cool. I, I manage all the technology for New York, all the trading floor stuff, uh, all the developers, like every infrastructure, everything. So that was my CTO. That was my role, pretty much, is to manage everything that's related to technology for the company. Okay. So if these guys came into the office one day, picked up their phone, and tried to make a phone call and they couldn't call, that was my problem. Oh, I got you. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like if. Okay. Uh, Anything that a trader can't do is pretty much yeah, my problem. It's your problem. Okay. <laughs> it, just, it was just a, a jack of all trades kind of thing. It was, um, yeah. I joined Chicago Trading Company, CTC. Um, the first year, it was about 10 people at the office in New York. Yeah. And when I left, it was like 60. So wow. they grew in a big way. They moved to a bigger space. I was managing the data center, like just everything, man. And yeah. Um, it actually turned, it, it became too much for me. I, I burned all the way out. And oh, wow. I was like, man, I can't do this anymore. Like, I could have still been there today, but yeah. um, it was just too much. Um, and I decided to like step away from that firm. And then 
my wife and I was like getting pretty serious and I was looking to move to Chicago. Yeah. And I moved to um, another similar firm, actually, uh, same size, everything, <laughs> but there was more structure in place there to give me support. Okay. So when I joined there, I actually didn't join in a CTO capacity. I joined like in a manager, like an okay. IT manager. Gotcha. But, um, quickly, they actually just promoted me really quickly and I moved on to the hedge fund business. Wow. And, uh, one thing I'll say, man, coming from New York, right? Moving to Chicago, when it comes to like mentality wise, yeah, like, New Yorkers have a different mindset, man. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, I moved to, I come to this firm, it's called Peak Six Investments. And like, I'm on a team with like 10 other people and everybody's scared to go work for the hedge fund business. Okay. Guys who has a hedge fund, like, you know, just, you know, huge, you know, egos and, and stuff like that. And they like, the yeah, young people and, yeah, so yeah. Everybody on my team was really intimidated by them and didn't want to go work there. I'm like, right. after a week, I'm like, what's the problem, man? I'm, these guys are babies compared to New York. Oh, gotcha. Like, okay. You know, so that was my mentality going in. Like, man, I've seen it all, man. I, there's nothing you guys can throw at me. There's nothing you can say. Say I don't take anything personal. I'm here to do my job just like you. For and sure. To the, and to this day, I'm still like five, six out years from that firm. We're still good friends, all these people. They support mm-hmm. Greenwood in a big way, donations and stuff like that. Yeah. And the portfolio manager told me, like, when I had lunch with him last like, couple months ago, he's like, but man, I've seen so many IT guys come through here. You're the only one that, like, stood up to us. You're the only <laughs> one that, you know, just was really straightforward and just, wow. you know, like, didn't, didn't just uh, crumble when we yelled, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, for sure. And for that reason, they, like, really had a lot of respect for me and my work. And, and I told them, like, yeah, you guys are human beings just like me man for sure like, yep it is what it is if i don't know something i'll tell you i don't know i'll come back and figure it out you know and uh, i think the honesty and the being straightforward with them yeah very, and um that's the way i've been operating on my entire career for sure just like that straightforwardness yeah. the just kind of like prepare for anything you know stoic stoicism maybe a little yeah, bit <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah people respect that you know because pressure does but burst pipes and yeah. you know some sometimes man you know people and i try i try not to you know judge books by a cover because it could be something else that's maybe preventing that person from performing yeah. you know under pressure uh but yeah definitely like when 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 you're at war man you want to have that steady hand next to you <laughs> that's for sure yeah I, I yeah. could definitely see why that would be such a important you know uh, yeah. characteristic you know especially somebody in leadership i mean right especially somebody in technology like in the two, the 08 crash and just like you know flash mm-hmm. crashes and stuff going on and oh man hell's breaking loose and they're losing a ton of money and the technology yeah. is working and they're looking for somebody who like knows what they're doing, can like corral the team and lead the team in a crisis for kind of thing. For sure, um, for sure. You know, I was putting in like serious hours. I was there before everybody, after everybody, yeah. making sure everything was in place and, and together, you know, and keeping mm-hmm. the team motivated. I mean, there's just, there's a lot that goes into that stuff. But I, again, I kind of, yeah. I kind of thrive under that kind of type of pressure, you know? Yeah, you grew up in New York, man. That's so why I love New York. <laughs> they hunk, they, they hunk at you at red lights. It's like, we can't, we can't, I can't move. <laughs> Why are you hunking at me? Exactly. <laughs> I got a red light. No, so yeah, I, I know, I know what you're saying, man. New York definitely. I feel like that's a place that's gonna make it break you. I feel, I feel that way about Chicago too. Like, if you can make it in Chicago, you could probably make it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, if you, if you're really in it, like, you yeah. know, uh, if you're living that Chicago experience, because it's so many different cultures and experiences in Chicago. Right. You know, you you can you can pick and choose and find your space. 
But if you're making it Chicago, Chicago, you can make it anywhere. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Chicago is just a, a slowed down version of New York, I think, you know? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Like, Chicago sleeps. New York definitely doesn't sleep. sleep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, downtown Chicago, it's, it's like definitely sleep around 10 o'clock, <laughs> like, yeah, during, yeah. during the week. <laughs> yeah, New York, if you feel like eating tacos at 2 in the morning, man, that's not oh. sushi. It doesn't matter. You go find it. I love it. I like that. I love those street vendors. Like I, they need more here. I wish they had that here. That would yeah. be amazing. Um, so man, you know, we, we transitioned from, from CTO, uh, moved to Chicago. Um, at what point when you were in Chicago, did you just start this decide, start thinking about maybe going back to school? I was, um, so I was at P6 investments with a hedge fund business in yeah. 2014, I think. And, um, I had a friend who was at the poll doing uh school for new learning for the poor for adults yeah and um we we're just having a beer one day and he's like yeah man i went back to school i'm at this uh, the pool down the street i was like oh what are you doing and he told me like he could actually like uh, uh personalize his own degree and stuff like that right uh intertwine stuff in his real life at work and make it it's so easy for him now yeah i was like wow man i always wanted to get my degree and uh you know i had kids now and stuff like that so i wanted to like set a good example for them right and um it's something that I always like told my mom and my dad I would do one day because um, I'm the youngest of three, but I'm the only one with a college degree now. Wow. You know, so okay. I wanted to be the first in my family. Just as an example, like I said, yeah. um, it wasn't going to get me any higher up at the firm, but it was just something I personally that I wanted to accomplish. For sure. And went to open house thing at DePaul. I like, really fell in love with the fact that I can really relate my day-to-day -day job to the curriculum and, and, and personalize it and stuff like that customize it to how yeah. I could learn best and it made school so much easy man like it I was yeah. working on projects that was directly related to my everyday work and um meeting adults in the class I wasn't in a class with a bunch of like you know like a freshman and stuff like that yeah for sure you you know uh, <laughs> and other people right, right back at you yep you know what I'm so it was, uh, <laughs> it was a great networking uh, opportunity too because yeah for sure you know, um like with me and you you've done stuff with Greenwood we've been to each other events and stuff and um Support mm -hmm. each other, so it became more of a great networking opportunity, building my own social capital. Yeah, um, to this day, I'm really a uh, good partnership with the poll as well, too, to support everything that we do. Oh man, it's amazing! <laughs> um, yeah, I was uh, I was 34 years old, I believe, when I went back to school, and um, okay, doing it like two or three times a night, uh, two or three times a, a week every night, and yeah. um, just pushed through, man, and got it done. Graduated last year, July, June. Yeah, congratulations congratulations it was a journey but uh definitely changed so much stuff for me man yeah for sure and you know i think it's i think it's so key like you know you you didn't have any limits on yourself as far as like why you shouldn't go back to school or did you were there some things that you were thinking about maybe as, as far as why you shouldn't go back to school or you know right. or what, was it just like a like i'm doing this because i want to i want to set this example like forget it like i'm going for it like what what was that what was that decision-making process like for you? Yeah, so once I uh, learned about the school and the curriculum and the format, yeah. and I'm just the kind of person, like, if I say I want to do something, it's going to get done. Right, you know, right. My mindset has always been, like, failure is not an option. You know, okay. if it does happen, you learn from it, you just keep going, you know? So yep. that's just my mindset. So once I decided to go to school uh, again, um, I was like, it's going to get done, man. I don't know what I got to do, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. So, yeah. Um, yeah, when it came to limits, it was just me making it. Once I make the decision, 
it's done like it's yeah like, we're, <laughs> we're gonna deliver this no matter what you know i got you for sure that's awesome man um and you know thank god you did you know because it seems like the paul is playing a major role in uh, greenwood yeah definitely in, so in some, um, in some capacity right yeah um yeah. in december 2015 i was taking a winter um class winter break class called social media for social change and um the they the professor gave us a project say hey develop a social media campaign you know um around a cause that you care about mm -hmm. and i picked greenwood i was like well i've had this idea for a long time to like help introduce kids from um, minorities from underserved communities to careers in finance yeah my own story and i built the whole thing i and at the end of the class the professor was like hey is this like a real thing or you just made this up <laughs> i was like no this is like based on my own life and he's like wow you should probably uh why don't you give this a try and see what happens wow and so yeah so greenwood actually was born at the pole really yeah and um no way so I, I just went back and like registered a nonprofit, and i went back to work you know and <laughs> going back to work only last lasted about three months before i like left that job to, to jump into greenwood full-time because it wow. just really really took off man but Vaughn, that's amazing, man. I didn't know that. I, I thought that you were already doing Greenwood. <laughs> wow, the fall so, was a catalyst for Greenwood, man. No way. So so Greenwood was an idea that you were, were that you had maybe even before you got into the ball, or did it like when did when did you start thinking about Greenwood as an actual like something that you wanted to do? At what point what point did you start thinking about that? Well, I always knew I wanted to help students like mm -hmm. learn about careers in finance and get internships. Yeah. You know, I was like for years I've been thinking about that, trying to get more people of color at the firms that I worked at. Yeah. You know, every time I had the opportunity to like interview interns, I would always like be really biased, you know, towards <laughs> color. I mean, everybody I like else it. does, it, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They're looking out for their people. I'm looking out for mine, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, I wanted to do it. On, I just knew I wanted to do it on a bigger scale and and, and get sure. more students. And so, um, but as far as like starting a nonprofit to do these things, I'd never thought about that until that class wow yeah and then they helped me put the structure and format into like really think about it in a structured business way no you way know? So the nonprofit was started because of that class pretty much yeah that's amazing man i didn't know that and that just wow that's that's amazing i gotta i i, I kind of gotta take a second just to, you know <laughs> just to digest that a little bit i didn't know that and um yeah, yeah kudos to the paul for doing that you know um helping yeah. you know spur because I don't know, you know, for people that's that's listening to this podcast, you got to go. Is it what's the what's the uh, URL for Greenwood? Uh, Greenwoodproject.org. You got to go to Greenwoodproject.org and uh, just type in Greenwood and Google. You know, look yeah. at some of the social media pages, to Twitter, and just kind of see some of the things that you know Bavon is doing with with the with the Greenwood Project and the and these kids. And it's just it's just amazing just to know that after all this journey, we're talking like 20, 25 years, like. Yeah everything that you had to go through from, you know, coming over here from Trinidad, living in Jersey, I mean, which is probably a thing in itself, right? <laughs> you know, living in, you know, New York, you know, no degree, it's only an associate's, moving all the way up to CTO, getting burned out, meeting your wife, doing everything, and then yeah. to get to this point, man, that's, that's, that's an amazing story, and it's so, I think it's so limitless, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, man, that's, that's, that's just really amazing, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, you know, the Paul's uh, the Paul's whole mission is about civic engagement and yeah. giving back to the community. So, mm. the Paul was really excited about Greenwood because it was so aligned with their own story and their own mission. Of gotcha. The so 
you know, gotcha. I um I took advantage of that pretty much. I was like, hey, you know, I'm and they took advantage of me a little bit too because <laughs> they, they wanted to promote the student who started this business and blah blah blah. Right. right and I was leveraging right. their name. There, I mean, I still today partner with them and take their students and they give me space for events. It's, you know, what I mean, they're involved in everything. It's amazing. I'm still, I'm still speaking at the poll events now. Um, I'm actually in the, the next like media uh campaign thing for like school for new learning rebranded wow okay so um yeah yeah the poll has been really supportive um and they continue to be and i mean again it's so in line with their own mission you know yeah that's that's really cool you know um with you choosing uh the paul as your college so my mom i didn't have a choice in this uh my mom (laughs) she sent me to catholic school my whole life Uh, um i'm talking about grammar school high school and then I don't know what happened but then I wound up going to a Catholic college so (laughs) it's just become a part of who you you know who you who you are you know um so what what how does spirit spirituality come into play uh with with this with your journey or with your limited limitless beliefs like is there is is spirituality a part of this journey as well yeah, so my uh, family is very interesting. My mom is a Catholic. Okay. My dad is a Muslim. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so they, they, that's, um, like, that's like a Bears Packers fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they got they got married um, pretty young and uh, and stuff like yeah. that. And um, but he like so I grew up you know going to Catholic church pretty much with my mom. Okay. And okay. my dad never he never tried to like steer us towards like being you know to islam or anything yeah um, but he was practicing and doing this stuff uh, and stuff like that so he really respected i mean nobody believed that when i tell them like hey i got one parent who's a muslim one is a catholic you know um yeah for sure you know but i if i think if uh you know as a young child you don't have no choice right so like you said your your mom no was choice. like wake, wake up every sunday you're gonna go to church you're gonna do first communion you're gonna do uh, uh, first communion you know, um, was the next thing they have um, confirmation and all that yep, stuff yep, yep, so I yep. did I did all that man and because my mom said we had to do it but okay going back you know if as a child I had the choice I would probably choose my dad's religion okay <laughs> yeah, I saw um, you know I just saw the way he and his friends interacted and um, yeah you know like both my parents actually have uh, passed now but, oh man uh, yeah he I saw like I mean, he was such a community leader and his religion played some part in that. He was actually um, really good friends with Stokely Carmichael. Really? Yeah, because he's from wow. Trinidad too. Okay. And in the times of the civil rights movement here, the same thing was going on in Trinidad. Really? Okay. Yeah, it was called the Black Power Movement. My dad was one of the leaders over there of that. Wow. So he, yeah, he was in constant communication with them and both movements all over the world, you know, was talking to each other. So. Wow. Again, I just saw him always fighting for people, man. Like always, like he was, they put him in jail, they beat him up. Like, like he'd been through so much. Fight just because he's trying to fight for like black and brown people to have rights, wow. quality. Right. And when I think about him, that's all I saw growing up. Like him fighting, fighting, fighting for everybody else. Yeah. You know, and you'd yeah. always say all he wants is for his kids to have a better life than he did. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he, both my parents only finished like, um, they didn't go to high school at all. Okay. Yeah, so they only had like um, grade school education and stuff, but 
For sure. They wanted they didn't want that for their kids, you know. And yeah, he yeah. was like he's like super proud of me moving over here and doing all this stuff and absolutely. So um, but that was his always his, his goal for his kids is to any limit that was put on him because of um civil rights stuff back in the seventies or whatever, you know, he did everything possible to open doors for people. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think that a lot of that rubbed off on me. Yeah. I was gonna say, man, that that makes a lot of sense because that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> like you, you got that that DNA is all in you, man. You know, um, you open the doors for a lot of young men and women uh, yeah. that that look that look like you and me. And uh, man, I'm just super proud of you, man. And um, you know, just happy happy to call you a friend, man. And you know, thankful that you're on my network. You know, um, and uh, man, I think I think we. I think we covered a lot, you know, was there anything about the Greenwood project um, that you wanted to share that maybe I know, cause I know we were, I was trying to keep it to the end, but we were talking about it so much during it that I'm pretty sure people know, you know, what the Greenwood project is all about, but is there anything you want to say about the Greenwood project and the mission and, you know, some of the things you've been able to accomplish um, with the Greenwood project that you would want the listeners to know? Yeah. I mean, I think within the last year, year and a half, we've really kind of accelerated our growth. Um, we just won like a major partnership with William Blair and uh, the investment bank last yep. December. Yep. They're making a major investment into us in the, over the next four years. And that's really brought a lot of attention to us from bigger firms. Um, back in February, we rang the Open Bell, the NASDAQ stock exchange. You know, Amazing. we're, um, we're going to have 250 students in the program this summer. Wow. Um, we're working with students now because of COVID-19, you know, with all virtual. So we got students from Trinidad, uh, Kenya, Tanzania, other wow. countries actually enrolled yes. in Greenwood this summer. Wow. So we're looking to make this thing global, you know, um, using the power of, you know, the internet and stuff like that. So Absolutely. we develop a whole virtual internship program for college students. And, you know, again, the whole goal is for us to make our students more marketable, give them access yeah. and exposure you know, yeah. to as much as possible and have them be number one, have them be as prepared as possible for that opportunity when it shows up. So right now I'm talking to college seniors and telling them, listen, don't panic. It's all right. With Greenwood this summer, you'll have an internship. It'll be remote. We're going to underwrite the cost for three financing certifications for you to get, you wow. know, you're going to be in a stockfish competition. You're going to be in a funded brokerage account at the yeah. end of the summer. So a year from now, when you're sitting across the table from the hiring manager and they ask you, what did you do during the pandemic? You could say, here's my resume. And you can tell them, I've been preparing for that question for a whole year. Right. Wow. That's I'm, I'm ready. And I'm ready to answer it because this is what I did through Greenwood. Wow. So again, for us, when you talk about uh, limiting yourself, uh, college students, we try to open up their minds to say, hey, there's no limits right now because you have the support of an, or an organization that's looking out for you. Yeah. And we will lift any limits that are on you right now. Don't worry about wow. it. We're going to wow. take care of you. We don't care what we need to do. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. So um, since Greenwood started, we've been able to raise like close to three, $400,000. And, and that's not through like aggressive fundraising. That's about, we've done that through telling our story. Wow. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm at the point now in Greenwood where all I want to do is I want to do three things. I want to tell the story, raise money and get firms to say yes. Like that's all okay. I, you know, cause one thing you quickly realize over time running a business is what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, some people's ego won't allow them to say what they're not good, what they're not good at. Yeah. Um, I understand what I'm good at. I love telling the story, you know, yeah. uh, and I, I don't try to like pitch green with anybody. I don't try to like pitch it to funders. 
I just go in there and say, hey, we got 70% of our alumni working in careers in finance. You know, we got X amount of girls involved. We have a woman on Wall Street thing. We rang the bell. Yeah. William Blair just made a significant investment in us. You know, we're a tiny organization, but we have a major impact. And that's our story. You yeah. Know? And, and when they ask me my story, I tell them, well, this is my story. This is my wife's story. This is yeah. organization was born out of our story. Right. Right. You know, Absolutely. That, it sells itself, man. And now yeah. the partnerships with about 40, 50 companies, man. more coming on board. It's, it's crazy, man. It's, it's, we guess we're getting a lot of attention right now. It's uh, it's limitless, man. You know, it's like it's limitless possibilities when we step into our purpose, you know, uh, when we step into our fears, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of things you thought, thought about that wasn't in place. Maybe even thought about reasons why you shouldn't get started. You know, it's just, it's just a human thing that we do. But yeah. the fact that you did, man, that's just, that's amazing, man. And that's why I really you know, want to make sure people can hear these types of things, you know, what, what it means just to get started in spite of whatever, just yeah. go. Cause yeah. every, cause the, the, everything, whatever you need, the provisions, whatever you need is going to, is going to come to you along the way, you know? And then, you know, and people see that, right? So people, yeah. you know, I'm sure you've been in meetings or you've met individuals who might say they support a cause or they believe in this, but you could tell who really believes who's authentic, you know? And, um, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like when I get up in front of a crowd to speak about Greenwood, I mean, it's oozing out of me, man. I can't, I can't stop talking about it. And yeah, yeah. don't ask me to talk about anything else. I can't, right. you know, before Greenwood, I was completely like uh, fearful of public speaking. Oh, really? Okay. Right. Gotcha. So I've been in this country 20 plus years and I still sound like I just got off the boat yesterday. <laughs> That's how strong my accent is, right? And yeah, yeah. And because of my accent, I would I was really fearful of like speaking in public, you know, big crowds. Yeah. I I was terrified. I couldn't do it at all. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. But with Greenwood, I don't care if it's two people or two hundred thousand people. I don't care. Yeah. You know, I get up there and speak and talk about it and you'll have to shut me up. Right. You know, because I'm so like passionate about it and this is what I care about and this is what I want to do. And I want you to understand why it's important. Right. So, for I, was sure. talking, I was talking to one of my students yesterday, actually, and he was talking about, you know, the, the same thing, like same topic without like being limited and not realizing potential and stuff. And I told him um, sometime last year, I came to this realization that I didn't have early on, early on in Greenwood because I was really uh, hesitant to ask for money for firms and stuff. I was just trying to help students. Right. But um, somebody sat me down one day, a mentor of mine and said, hey, um, you don't understand the value of what you're doing, right? You got yeah. firms like Goldman Sachs, William Blair, UBS, global firms, well-funded firms that cannot do what you do, right? Mm. They've been trying for years. Sure, they can't sure. do it, right? The students that you've yeah. met, Fred, like they can't find those kids unless Greenwood brings them to their doorstep. So right. what ha what's right. happened to me over the last six months or so, I've gone, I think I've kind of like ascended to this different level of, I don't know of um, understanding what Greenwood's value is. And before, yeah. when I go into a room with like CEOs and stuff and people who run firms, um, I would kind of sit back and just kind of like take it in. I wouldn't, you know, I didn't go in there with a sense of like what my power is, you know? And now mm -hmm. that's different. Like now I'm going in there, I'm like, this is what we do. You know, this is what's going to cost for your firm to be involved. You know, are you in or are you out? Right, because we have mm -hmm. a proven track record now. But me personally, I feel like I've kind of ascended to this different level of like, you know, mm -hmm. you just you just realize your power, man. You realize 
again, limits, right? Like I put that limit on myself because I didn't think that I belonged in those rooms. And now right. that I know, now when I reach out on LinkedIn to anybody, they accept my, my uh, request. They reach out to me like crazy. You know, so wow. I have firms coming to me now, CEOs, managing directors, partners at firms coming to me because they want to be part of what we're doing. They want right. me to tell their story too. So right. for me right wow. now, I'm a, and I, I was telling the student, I'm not saying this to like, it's not ego. It's not like being cocky. It's just something happened. Something nope. clicked somewhere where now yeah. I realize the power that Greenwood has, you know, as a brand, mm. as a message, as a purpose, as an organization. And yeah. me personally, as an individual, I don't even pay attention to my accent anymore. I don't, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm like, this is, it doesn't matter. It, does, it just doesn't, nothing matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. are you willing to do yeah. what you have to do to make this, the result happen and and for right. me like you know the one perfect example is ringing the nasdaq bell like that's a five-year that was a five-year plan like like that's something i started saying on day one like i'm gonna ring this bell one day trust me it's gonna happen i told okay. students every, i said i don't and on that day they called me on a tuesday evening right and said hey mm-hmm. we're supposed to have this company ring the bell tomorrow you know but it's black history month we'd like to highlight greenwood are you willing to like ring the bell? I'm like, yeah, no problem. Wow. It's like, be here at 8.45 tomorrow morning. I was wow. there at 8.30. They thought I was in New York. <laughs> yeah. When I got there, he's like, oh, I, we didn't know you was in New York. I said, I wasn't in New York. I was in Chicago when you called. He's like, and you're here? I was like, yeah, I, don't, I got on the first flight. I don't care what I had to do. I was like, yeah. I was going to be here because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and something I've talked about doing for five years you know so right. again just going back to what i tell students and tell people when an opportunity presents itself you say yes and you go figure it out you right. figure it out later right those are the people those are the business people entrepreneurs that i see that are successful the ones who yeah. i mean I, I read about kobe and michael a lot and you know and um the guy from shark tank uh, mark cuban like some of the stuff he says yeah you know it's yeah. like yeah and i watch shark tank a lot and see the people who don't get deals are the ones I really interest. I'm interested in because then I see the feedback that they get is like, well, did you do everything that you could do? Right. Right. Like, right. It's like being up at four in the morning when you could be asleep, but you got to get this thing. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a lot, man. People don't see what goes on in the background, but if you put limits right. on yourself, you really won't accomplish much. I think, you know, and, that's um, for sure. On the outside, a lot sure. of people might say you're crazy. Like, Hey, it's like, you put all the crazy hours in, you're like, flying to new york it, it, i was like man it, it's a bigger goal it's a bigger purpose here man and i'm just yeah like, for sure that's it that's it man yep yeah you had the yeah. vision though and that burning desire you know to go along with that vision you know yes. to make to make it to make it become a reality man that's that's so inspirational man i, I wish i could just i'm gonna listen to this like 18 times like just <laughs> Like, you know, I've learned so much, man, just being on this call with you today. Um, just just uh, as far as learning things I didn't know, mm. but I've also learned some things I feel like is going to help me grow, you know, right. as I'm learning to grow my limitlessness. And just listening to you in this last, it's like, like 10 minutes. I learned a lot this whole conversation, but that last, like, you know, five minutes there, that was, that was jam-packed with, you know, a lot of, you know, nuggets that I think yeah. uh, really speaks to what, li- what limitlessness is all about, you know. Right. And uh, man, just really encouraged and inspired by you, man. <laughs> yeah, same thing with you, no, that's, man. That's I think amazing. 
I like to see uh, I mean, hearing your story and I follow you a lot too. And, you know, just Thank you. reflecting back on us in that classroom and where we are today and, and me yeah. say, Hey Fred, I need you to come talk to these kids and boom, you're there, you know, and staying connected 100%. with them. So it's, it's just all around yep. man. just surrounding yourself, surrounding yourself with people, like-minded people, right. And people yep. who will contribute to you moving beyond your comfort zone and, and that kind of thing. So, man, yeah. Yep. Well, same way, man. I am truly proud to, to be, uh, you know, connected to you and stuff like that. Thank so, you. Um, Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and wrap us up. Was there anything that you could think of that I didn't ask you that, you know, is like, cause you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new in this journalism space, you know, <laughs> it's like, why didn't he ask me that? You know, was, is there anything I could have asked that I, that I didn't ask that you could think of? I, I think we, um, I think we covered a lot, man. Um, yeah, I think uh, for sure. the last thing I would say is uh, when it comes to like limits and stuff, um, a lot of people kind of look around to see, you know, might be trying to figure out what they want to be in life or like, you know, how do they connect the dots to all the things that they're passionate about and they care about. But um, yeah, one thing I realized, it starts with you, man. Um, it starts with, with yeah, you look at yourself and uh, for me, I looked and I looked at who I knew who could help Greenwood grow. Yeah, who was in my network, who I wanted to be in my network. And I went after them and, and found them and yeah. convinced them to give me opportunities. So sometimes wow. we all look elsewhere just for the solutions and the answers, but it actually starts with yourself. With yourself. Yeah, that's, that's really big. And yeah. uh, thank you for saying that. And uh, that's something that I'm learning, still learning myself. <laughs> and uh, I think you're a great example of that. Um, you know, and I know you, I know that's something that you do because that day after class, it was like, man, you trying, you trying to start a, you know, now you got a nonprofit. I got a nonprofit, you know, and we just, you know, that's how, that's how our relationship was born. Right, right, exactly. And uh, exactly. Just, just, just a great example of what networking looks like and just that curious mindset, actively listening. I'm pretty sure there were some people in that class because it wasn't the best class. I'm right. pretty sure people in that class wasn't paying attention right. <laughs> and, probably, and probably missed out on the opportunity there. So, you know, just, man, kudos to that too, man. And um, yeah. the last question I got for you, Bavon, is, uh, is an interesting question. Uh, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Something that's true. Um, that nobody agrees with you on. Like, but you know it's true. <laughs> I, I know i know for a fact and i say every day that i'm gonna totally disrupt the uh financial services industry when it comes to like mm -hmm. uh diversity and talent like i i believe that Absolutely. i can do i could do things that nobody's ever been able to do and um you know greenwood has been doing pretty well for the last five years but the next five years is just gonna be a whole different ball game and we're taking it to a different level and like i said i'm gonna yes, i'm gonna engage some people that you know um people feel i can't reach or uh, that kind of thing but um i yeah. feel like my long-term vision and plan is going to totally completely disrupt the financial industry and the whole diverse yep. like diverse, when it comes to diversity um and talent and uh, entry-level jobs internships grooming talent for the future i'm building a factory man of black and brown kids that are going to work yeah and take it over and build generational wealth that's what we're about man. That's amazing, man. And, uh, you know, it's power in words, man. And I, I said, since you spoke it, it will be done. You putting that work in too. So yes, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of time at this point, <laughs> but it's, it's already done. It's already done. You know, yeah, we just got to let the world catch up, catch up to us now. <laughs> the plan from day one was ownership, man. The plan was ownership. Um, ownership. Yeah. We, yeah. You know, we can't change a system that wasn't designed and built for us. We could just get on the inside, learn it. Right. And, uh, replicate it and be, uh, yeah. have our own stuff. So 
We're going to have our yeah. own Greenwood hedge fund. We're going to have our own Greenwood trading firm. We're going to have it all, man. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Wow. That's amazing, man. It's going to be Greenwood. It's going to be a Greenwood <laughs> building downtown. They're going to they gonna change the Trump sign yeah. to Greenwood. <laughs> we're Black Wall Street, man. That's what we're doing. We're building the Black Wall Street. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I didn't. I, I'm sorry. Where did the name Greenwood come from? <laughs> That's my last question. I promise you. Where did Greenwood come from? <laughs> a lot of people have heard of uh, the Black Wall Street, but it's a town in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Greenwood. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Post-slavery, a lot of African-Americans settled there and became 100% self-sufficient. Black millionaires, banks, jets, you know, schools, you name it. Everything was Black-owned. And it was, the nickname was the Black Wall Street. In 1921, right. there was a big race riot. And it was like bombed and wiped off the face of the map. But we, uh, you know, we call it the Greenwood Project because we're paying homage to, to, to that town. And in essence, again, yeah, we're yeah. rebuilding the Black Wall Street, building generational wealth, empowering students to be financially um, responsible and educated and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, we, yeah. you know, that's kind of where the name comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You know, you can't bomb a people. You can't bomb, you know, it's like Greenwood is now, it's going to be in the hearts of people. Yeah. It's not just going to be a location. It's going to be people, right. You know, going out and, and being what black wall street was, it's going to yeah. be in all these individual people. I like that, man. That's, that's, that's really cool, man. And, um, I think that's a great place to end it, Bavon, man. Thank you so much uh, for, for, you know, agreeing to be a part of the limitless belief podcast, man. I think that you are truly limitless. Your organization is limitless. And, um, you know, we, we, we are so blessed to have you in the position that you're in, uh, the journey that you've had and, you know, what you're doing and where you're going. Our community is definitely blessed to, to have you and your wife in the, in the Greenwood Project. Um, and I just want to say to our listeners that like Bavon, like Bavon says, you know, it starts with you. Right. And uh, I try to give the definition, the definition that I've grown into as far as success is concerned is true success lies within the process not the end result so until next time everybody stay limitless y'all and uh peace i hope you've enjoyed this episode for more episodes just like this one be sure to subscribe to limitless belief wherever you get your podcast and remember knowing means nothing until you apply it so get going get growing and i'll see you on the other side of limitless